0: another exciting episode of a legion on zoom what's going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the legion on zoom as always on forever this is chez
1: and this is miguel this is rod what's up yo and we are so so excited to have with us today one of the most prolific comic book writers out there. Like if you read Marvel, you most likely read uh, some of his work because he's written basically great runs on Wolverine, Ghostwriter, Punisher, Max, Wolverine and the X-Men. He recently wrapped up uh, an epic seven-year run on Thor. And now he's been writing Avengers for nearly 50 issues and counting. And that's not even mentioning, right? Like all the Good creator owned stuff like Scalp, Southern Bastards, and the goddamned. We are very, very lucky that have Jason Aaron himself on the show today. Thank you, Welcome, Jason. sir.
2: Welcome, Tim. sir. Woo! <laughs> we can have a whole episode just on reading your credits. We have to stop <laughs> eventually. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having
0: me. I mean... Thank you for gracing us with your genius presence. We highly appreciate
1: the time. <laughs> yeah. And, and I will say that I think this is what would be maybe the one of the few good things that came out of the pandemic that we can do the Zoom, you know, things a little bit more comfortably like that. So how have you been, Jason? How has the, hopefully the pandemic hasn't affected you? Obviously, you're still writing awesome stuff. So how have you been?
2: Uh, You know, I, I mean, I think like most everybody else has been a, it's been a challenging what year and a half now I don't know it seems like a decade my time is completely shot (laughs) like I sometimes I think did that happen two months ago did that happen five years ago I got I got no idea so yeah I mean I've been you know in a weird in a weird hole for for a year and a half now Uh, but thankfully I've been able to you know still do my job for for that period and and I'm fortunate that I'm super super excited about everything I'm working on right now and really excited about you know stuff to come some of which we can talk about some of which you know will still remain secret for a bit longer but yeah so I'm doing you know all things considered of how weird and crazy the world is I'm I'm doing all right how Indeed. about you guys
0: to me it kind of sounded like a uh when you discussed your state of mind regarding the time-lapse, how Thor described how he remembers things because he's immortal. (laughs) That is like things are like in a haze. Like he can't remember his time in 800
2: Scandinavia. So it's like, it's all one blur. We're all like gods now. Absolutely. Yeah. I I think I maybe encountered my future self at some point in the (laughs) past year and a half too. What kind of drugs
3: are you doing exactly?
2: (laughs) All of them at this i time. think it's just you know i think it's just um isolation is the drug that i've been on have, be you been able to, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> have you been able to write more or like how has it affected the, the output and we well, have a very high output as a writer
2: um definitely i mean i i think i'm probably not alone in this i think probably other creators have been the same that it was it was hard for a while you know you'd there was a point where you feel like, oh okay, we're going to we're all going to be stuck home for a while. Man, I'm going to read so many comic books, I'm going to watch so many movies, I'm going to get so much work done. And then it didn't didn't, you know, work out quite like that. I think <laughs> there's a period is just kind of hard, right? It's just hard yeah. to like why why am I writing about Captain America, you know, when the the world is it's falling apart? Like it was hard to be invested in in you know the marvel universe when you were so caught up in our own universe mm-hmm. um but i you know i, I kind of got past that point and and since then certainly this year like since january of this year i've been been really busy and and for the most part been forging ahead and getting a lot of a lot of work done no. um, and yeah and- it, was, it was hard for a while i think probably everybody was the same way
1: no and I I totally totally get what you're saying and and but I I will say um, on behalf of the legion on Zoom and I'm sure everybody out there we are grateful and thankful that we were still getting comic books and awesome comic books oh, yes. like by you. Cause that really provided a, a, a sweet deal of escape that we need. No God, of course there's the, all this horrible stuff happening. We're so locked in. And so just being able to, you know, get that week, you know, where the new Avengers book came out and we're seeing some crazy things happening. It's like, all right, it provides a, a good, so thank you for, for giving us a break from, from everything that's been going on with that.
2: Sure. Well, the, you know, the, thanks. I mean, I, I feel the same way. I was super excited when I was able to go back to the comic book store for the first time. But, you know, really for me, like the, as as much as I am a, still a fan and love, love um, going and buying my comics and reading the, the probably even bigger part of the joy for me is just doing the stuff, right? Like yeah. writing comics is still a source of, of joy. It's like kind of, when I I can't do it, you know, it's like I've forgotten how to breathe or my heart's not beating right. It's like physically I'm screwed up. I'm not functioning correctly. So to me, it's, you know, makes me happy just to, to write the stuff. Even if, you know, it's like gravy that I get to send it off and it gets drawn by amazing artists and it becomes a thing. I can go to my local shop and buy. People read it and respond to it. That's all that's all great but for me it's like the actual writing part of it um is what makes me happiest really so I'm just happy to be able to do that
1: and actually with that we would love to know what is a day in the life uh for Jason Aaron like like how 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 do you do it like how do you work like what's the uh, what's your secret
2: <laughs> what? I, I you know I don't know oh sorry go ahead no we're just gonna ask also to add
0: someone to when we go just um ask would you be able to able to give us like a difference pre and post the pandemic? What a day would be <laughs> like in the life of this scenario and in the process.
2: I mean, you know, Infra, I think those, post. those of us who've been freelancers, you know, for a while, like we had been training for a pandemic for a long time, right? Without knowing but, it, like my, yeah. my, my work, like didn't change all that much. Right. Like I'd, I already worked from home most days, you know, I wouldn't have to put on pants if I didn't want to. Nice. Like, I'd only leave the house every once in a while to go to the grocery store or go for a walk in the park. So it's kind of been the same, you know. I just didn't go out to restaurants or bars like I would like to for a while. But um, work-wise, it's kind of been the same, you know. I, I, My my comic career is pretty much exactly the same age as my son. He just turned 16, so. Wow. My comic career is old enough to drive at this point, like my career as a full-time professional comic book writer. I quit my last day job when he was born. So <laughs> um, So I've been you know, been working from home for a while. and I think the fact that it did, you know, I did start out, okay, I'm writing comics and I'm staying home and taking care of a kid. It kind of helped me develop some sort of regular schedule. You know, I mean, I, I work with some people who are who are single who don't have kids who keep like, you know, rock star heroin addict hours, right? Or <laughs> it's still, you never know if they're waking up or going to sleep or what. Like it's or both. Absolutely <laughs> right. They probably don't know. Um, so I've never really done that. I mean, I'm definitely not a morning person. I'd much rather stay up late, and I. I I feel like, you know, my brain works better at night, but I still try to keep some kind of relatively normal schedule. Um, But again, you know, when you work from home, work's always right there. And for me, like I said, I enjoy it, right? Like I like to do it. So um, you end up, you know, working a lot more than just a straight nine to five.
3: So what was your day job before writing
2: comics well is this a family show like how particular how much do you oh, want to know about my, God, my okay. you're hit
3: man
1: <laughs> we can pause the recording at any moment if you want we'll delete
2: things. i were uh, the the vanilla answer is i worked in a warehouse um and what's the chocolate answer <laughs> it was a warehouse of we'll say Adult novelty items.
0: Yes, uh, let's go. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> the
0: American dream. <laughs>
2: it's not, it was not, it was really very much not. I mean, <laughs> your, your
0: transition with the American dream without right. working at. <laughs> oh,
2: yes. Um, yes. Yeah, there was <laughs> nothing <laughs> particularly g- glamorous about it. I mean, you know, warehouse job, you, yeah. you sort of know right there. Yeah. It just happens to be a warehouse full of sex toys and pornography <laughs> yeah um
1: but, but i think to what uh ches is saying about like the at least the american dream in terms of like you know like yeah, the transition your growth to epic marble writer you know exclusive marble and then i thinking too about like because i i've read some of uh you know your origin story you know and heard in other interviews that y- you got your first big break from winning um a, a talent contest <laughs> for marble
2: like that's that's insane that's awesome that's wild <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was this weird, weird thing, you know, that kind of um, fell out of the blue. Marvel has kind of never done another thing like that, you know, it sort of happened um, at the time at San Diego Comic Con and and Wizard World Chicago. So I I would kind of go back, back around then, that was in 2000, 2001. I was going to Wizard World Chicago pretty much every year back then. That was kind of the main convention i'd go to so um that year you just you wrote up a synopsis of a wolverine story and dropped it in a box at the marvel booth and that's what i did and it was months later i got a call from somebody at marvel about doing a story so that was that was my first published really the first comic script i ever wrote it was a 10 10 page story i think um you know, for the first time, kind of got my foot in the door and gave me the confidence to feel like, you know, hey, maybe I'm good enough to start trying to take a crack at this because it's what I'd yeah. always wanted to do. I, I just, I, you know, I, I didn't know much. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't, you know, went to school and got an English degree. I knew I wanted, wanted to write, but I had no idea yeah. how to, like, how do I get a job where that pays me, let alone how do I get a job doing comics? And you know, back back then, back in the long, long ago, um, you know, you kind of had to live in New York City to to break into comics. As sort of, I was mm-hmm. breaking in because you know, at the before the days were now. Literally, I work with people live all over the world. Like one, the creative team of one book, you could have you know four or five countries represented. So um, now it's it doesn't matter where you live. But back then, it still kind of did. So I had no idea. How to go about doing that, and so I didn't know much. Didn't know how to. Again, I have no other, you know, um, relevant job skills. Um, But except being a genius, (laughs) (laughs) um, I don't know that that would, you know, again send me right back to the to porn warehouse. If if (laughs) I'd be the most genius guy at the (laughs) porn warehouse. But getting um, it done. Right, absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> but it, but anyway, I didn't know much, but I, I kind of figured out quickly, like the, the I believe then, I still believe this now, the, the hard part is being good, right? Like being a good enough writer to warrant somebody's attention in terms of breaking yeah. in, to warrant readers' attention, warrant their money, right? Like
4: mm-hmm.
2: I always felt like that's hard, right? Like it's, e- it's easy to sit back and look at, you know know, comics you don't like and say well that guy sucks I can I can be better than that yeah but can can you really can you honestly are you honestly good enough that that if you as a reader walked in and saw a book you wrote you know for five bucks would you pay that money to read it so I always thought that's the hard part I I just got to work on being good enough if I can get to that point man people break in all the time right look you can always figure out how do I meet an editor? How do I get this pitch or get whatever and get my work in front of somebody? That part you can figure out, right? Like that has its own challenges. Right. But I always thought, man, just if I just got to where I'm good enough, right, I can figure out the other part. So I just focused on that for the longest time and wrote, you know, wrote a bunch of horrible stuff that I hope nobody ever reads. (laughs) It's Um, out there. It's out there. No, it's it's locked up in my storage space. Okay, (laughs) good job, good job, good job. I'll I'll be buried with it, but um, I did. That's that's what I focused on for the longest time, and it was really once I won that talent search contest, I thought, okay, like maybe, maybe now I'm 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 good enough that I won this thing. Maybe I'm good enough, like I could start to take a crack at this, and it still took me another five years of writing and pitching and and hustling before I had more work coming out. But I I mean, I still, I'm convinced, you know, that's the thing is be hardest on yourself in terms of being good enough. Not just like, okay, you know, I already know I'm good enough. I'm better than all these other people. I just gotta, you know, how do I get an agent? How do I get an editor? How do I do this? Like, just be good enough first and, and the other stuff will take care of itself.
1: Definitely. You got to put in the work. You got to put in the hustle from before and just keep at it and, and not give up. And it sounds like you were describing like for when you submitted this your script for Wolverine back then, that was like the first time you submitted a script. But it sounded you've been working you know, before, you know, trying to, you know, writing and just creating stuff that no one will ever see, as you're saying. And, and um, how, how did you know that you wanted to write uh, for comics?
2: Well, I started reading comics when I was little, like that's kind of how I learned to read was from comics. So I've always pretty much my whole wow. life. I've been reading comics and and pretty quickly, like knew I wanted to write. I don't I think that came from having good teachers, you know, in, in elementary and middle school who encouraged me to write or, yeah. or and told me, hey, you, you know, you're good at this. You should do more of this. And again, it made me happy, I think. I think like a lot of creative people, I am I am non-functioning in some ways, um, socially <laughs> or in general, life in general, right? Like a lot of creative Something's people.
0: Something's off somewhere.
2: Right. We don't necessarily fit in in different ways. And for me, I was, I think for most of my life, just have been unable to communicate uh, with words that come from my face, right? Like I could... <laughs> <laughs> Most especially as a kid, I was just quiet. I didn't talk. I certainly couldn't tell you how I felt about. So I couldn't, like, an emotion to travel from my heart through whatever process to come out my out my mouth was just those connections weren't firing. Like they didn't exist. I couldn't do that. But I could put anything into words on paper, like the craziest shit I could think of, and give it to somebody to read. Things oh, I could yeah. never never communicate or say out loud i could write them down so you know crazy shit that that would have gotten me these days would you know get me put on like some kind of watch list at at elementary (laughs) school of like observed right this kid maybe needs to be homeschooled like we don't trust him (laughs) around the other children um but again i think i i was able to do that It, it it became like this fundamental part of how I function right like yeah I think I've gotten better at the words coming out of my face part of it but it's still a <laughs> it yeah. is not a it is not natural to me it's still something I have to work at but, but that's all, 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 all the more reason thank you for joining the same being like literally for an hour talking <laughs> from your mouth. I don't want to make it seem like it's a it's a burden to speak to people again I, I've also been you know, like you guys have been stuck home for a year and a half, so I haven't hardly spoken to anybody. So it's it's a, it's nice just to talk to humans.
0: And we definitely appreciate it. And if it wasn't for us having to be locked up for months, a year and a half ago, us three wouldn't be here with this endeavor right now, talking to you. So in one weird way, it's all connected. Right? Yeah, there we and, go.
2: Well, and you know, got to you got to look at the bright side of some of the things we've gotten from the last year and a half, right? Like yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, this, this for us, our, our, the podcast came out of that. Because we, we hang out. We all kind of live close to each other. But then, right at the pandemic, we're like, whoa, why, we want to still talk comics and hang out. We're like, why don't we just record it and start a podcast? And then it forced us to do it like weekly. And then that was kind of like our origin to, to thankfully be able to just hang out. Right? We're just really doing it to hang out. And then cool. it became a little bit more. Hopefully, <laughs> you know. So it's great.
0: Yeah. And yet somehow we ended up talking to one of the greatest writers in modern day comic books. So here we are. <laughs> <There really. laughs> yes,
4: exactly.
3: I have a follow up uh, question. So, you know, you started reading kid uh, uh, comics as a child. Did any specific writers resonate with you? Like, like oh, that that guy, you know, I kind of want to emulate that guy's career or something like that.
2: Sure. Yeah. I'm, I remember Marv Wolfman was like the first comic book writer I, who I knew by name. Right, and I think Wolfman and Perez were like the first team. So I was a huge new Teen Titans fan. Nice. George Perez was the first artist who, as a kid, I I could recognize his work. Right, like I'd see a Avengers cover or whatever, and oh, like oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's that guy I like. That's that guy who draws Titans. Yeah. And and Marv Wolfman was the first writer who I would started to look for other things he had written. And then you know t- Titans kind of led me into to a Crisis. And then Crisis, you know, was filled with all these characters I'd never seen or heard of. So that opened the doors to other stuff. So really, those those two guys um, were in a large way responsible for me becoming such a big comic book fan. Um, And then, you know, going forward, I remember the first time I read Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. Um, That was the first the first book I ever read by him. I think I read that before animal man um and doom patrol just blew my mind i was like what the hell is this like i didn't know you could do <laughs> stuff like this in a superhero book um so in grant somebody that i've i've remained a huge fan of um consistently you know from from that moment until till now um and i i i look at his i've always kind of looked at his career with uh, something as uh, something to sort of chase after and that I love that Grant has done such an incredible diverse array of different kinds of books, right? Like different genres, different everything. Like there's, it's hard to point at like, what's a, you know, like the Grant Morrison book, right? I think if you ask five Grant Morrison fans you get five very different equally valid answers. And the, and some would some would you know somebody might say Justice League right JLA somebody might say a a a a work for hire super superhero book, other people would name one of his many creator owned books. So I, he he brought such inventiveness and passion to each one of those right. Like you could tell he wasn't a guy who was just doing superheroes because that was where the you know the jobs were at. Like he he did it because he loved it. And then he'd go off and do his own crazy crater on stuff. So I, I think he's the guy I still look to as sort of, um, you know, on my Mount Rushmore. Um, when when my the son my son was born, one of the names I had on my list was Grant.
0: Oh wow, <laughs> which would have yeah. been pretty epic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which in its which in itself would have been pretty epic. Now considering. Such an expansive catalog of work that you have. Um, is there any particular arc that's extremely close to your heart, you would say? What is like the one arc that you've done that's come out of you that is the most you, I guess you would say?
2: Um, I don't know, that's a good question. I'm I mean on the one hand, I would say, you know, everything you do, you try to bring something of yourself close. and and um, otherwise, you know, you you just kind of going through the motions. But certainly, there there stories here and there where it, you know I'm able to hit that mark better than others. Maybe I mean, yeah. sca- scalped in general um, feels like that. And that you know, I mean, it's not on the surface. It's not a book that's about me in any way, right? But it's so much of my life is kind of still tied up in in that book and the making of it and in different stories here and there throughout it. So that one holds a very special place. Um, In terms of like superhero stuff, probably the, the um, different parts of the Thor run, you know, I think that the, the first God of thunder arc, the, the God butcher God bomb story. Oh like my God.
0: It was amazing. Thank you for that. Thanks. By the way.
2: Thank you for that. But there's a lot of there's a lot of me in there and my thoughts on God and religion, um, in you know in in both pessimistic and optimistic ways. I think that it's all tied up in what that story is about. And then we, the oh sorry, go ahead.
1: No, okay. We actually we're thinking we we have a question about that actually. To, to we were saving it
2: for later on the
1: show, but actually now that you brought it up, I think we we would sure. love to get your thoughts on it. Yeah. Tell um.
4: Yeah,
0: it ties in perfectly because uh, I don't know what this is about me as a person, but let's not even dig into that part. But when I was reading The God Arc, it almost it almost felt uh, like a release, almost cathartic to read Gore's dialogue. So it's almost like and it wasn't that I felt that way verbatim, but it's almost like he shared a lot of sentiments that I think in some way almost everyone wants to express when things go wrong. I mean, few people have it go wrong to his level you know but right. yeah but to some extent or another we i feel like we all almost kind of feel that way like how much of gore talking was you talking
2: yeah certainly the quite a bit probably the <laughs> um especially there there's a scene i don't remember what issue but there's a scene with like gore's son where i think gore's son is kind of um you know kind of talking it's sort of given the John Lennon imagine song, right? Like in yeah. dialogue saying, Man, wouldn't it be better if like none of you gods existed? Like, look at how terrible you all are. And we would all be so much better off if we weren't squabbling over, you know, which one of us has the believes in the right God. Certainly, you know, certainly that's very much how I I feel most every day. Um, and I I think a lot of gore, like the power of it is. Uh, that you read his origin story and and you you understand like why he's so angry, right? Like you said, he's his life has been horrible and people all around him have always been praying to these gods and saying, you know we, we just have to trust in them that they'll take care of us and yeah, and then terrible things happen to him and you know he 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 says there are no gods, right? like what why would we believe that there's anything up there? like nobody's looking out for us, nobody's helping us. And then he finds out that, oh shit, there are gods and they've just been fighting each other this whole time while he and his, you know, people have been down there suffering and dying. And so I think you understand his rage in that moment, right? Like why he picks up this weapon and kills that first God. And then, you know, I think like a lot of the most interesting villains, he starts out with emotions and thoughts that you can relate to and understand. And then sort of takes it to t- takes it to that place level. where like whoa buddy
1: like, like I, would, I wouldn't <laughs> take it that far exactly myself but actually now with that comment i think that's great because i've seen like with that theme right now i've been loving uh the goddamned like i've been i've been i'm almost wrapped up right now with the last uh volume uh and I feel there's themes of that in the goddamn, but like, as you said, right, right, you know, uh, Gore is the villain, but now we're actually seeing the protagonists, you know, in Cain in the first volume, and then Jael primarily in the second volume that have that kind of, you know, and rightfully so of like, you know, literally several times, you know, fuck you, God, you know, like, you know, save your prayers, (laughs) you know. The literal words. you know, (laughs) And a little bit bleak, I I feel, but, but like, in a very realistic way, in a way that like, I, I believe in like that world they're living in is like, is, it's biblical, right? <laughs> it's like what we yeah. would imagine. And and I feel a little bit of gore in there. And, and can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Well, I mean, I think all that all just kind of comes from the same place for, for me as somebody who, was, who grew up in the, in the South in a small town and was raised in, in the church in the baptist church and grew up with the stories of the bible um and then you know kind of in 1920 or so um my that the faith part of the equation for me started to kind of fall apart piece by piece until yeah, ultimately i realized like i don't really think i believe any of this anymore mm-hmm. so i've been an atheist you know at, at this point for um i guess most of my life uh but have remained fascinated by the stories of religion stories of christianity and the bible so all that kind of feeds into the god damned. um it was that was really an idea i had um when i first pitched scalp to vertigo oh wow and another thing i pitched them was was what was would basically become the goddamned. um so yeah, I mean, it's, I've, I've always kind of been fascinated by that, you know, that pre-flood period, that the idea of this, the pre-flood world where, oh yeah, it's like humanity is so pretty new and fresh, but things have already gone so completely off the rails that God's like, well, screw this. We can just kill everybody and try it again. Start over. Reset. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and he, you know, the, the part of that is that you're talking about a, a world where the presence of God is real, right? Like the the people who live in that world are not looking to the sky like Gore was and wondering, like, is there a God up there? Right. They know, they know, because sometimes He walks around and they hear voices from burning bushes, and the, like. It is is a world where there's no doubt about the fact that, <laughs> oh yeah, there's a God up there, and He made us, He made all this.
4: Yeah.
2: Yet they still reject Him you know right to his face right like that's yeah. that's not me embellishing like that's what that world was right like that's what it, the bible says it was yeah. as far as we know yeah right i don't when i say <laughs> as it was i mean <laughs> clearly i you know i, yeah, of I course. don't i don't believe that part but <laughs> for the sake of this story i you know i do that's the world that that it's set in so i've always been fascinated by that world. And to me, it always seemed like a, a great setting to basically do you, you know dark crime stories, which is what I feel like the goddamned is. Is is both it's a crime story, and you know, Gara and I doing a follow-up to scalp in some sense. It is also about my love of caveman comics. Um, <laughs> you know, I would love the days when we would get you know, Devil Dinosaur and Joe Kubert's Tour, and all these kind of books about um, gay people running around with dinosaurs. I, I loved those comics. Um, so I kind of wanted to do that mixed up with the crime stuff. And then, you know, it's also sort of an end of the world story. It's like the very first end of the world story. Um, so that's really the genesis of no pun intended of the goddamned <laughs>
0: pun very intended right. very
2: intended <laughs> and if you 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 know like you said the first arc focuses on Cain as the man who invented murder right um and and a very different sort of portrayal of Noah and then this the second arc is a completely different place within that same world different group of characters going through a very different sort of trial. Um, These young girls who are, who are part of this sort of secluded uh, nunnery up in the hills who realize kind of what the dark secret of the place is and want to get the hell away from it. Um, And then if you, by the time you get to the end of that story you see there's a, you know, it connects back to the first one. So really the whole idea of the goddamn is just to do different stories within that world um that i I think we'll still build towards something but within that you know we could kind of do whatever right um as we you know the rains start to fall more and more we build towards what happens then
1: and is there anything you can tell us about the next stage of the goddamn? since you you know a few months ago wrapped up the the last arc
2: yeah, not you know, not nothing. I'm I'm ready to talk about just yet. Certainly, I, I know what that is. You know, again, it took us, Worth took, a us shot. took us quite a while to get that second one done. You know, I, I hope if you if you look at those pages, you can see why and that yeah. Kara really did. I think some of the best work he's ever done in his, his long career. Those um, the pages of that uh, the Virgin Brides are just really, really breathtaking to me. So um you know he he's working on something else right now i've got other stuff i'm working on we're definitely come coming back to that again the idea is kind of always you know the goddamned is not just sort of one story we're telling chapter after chapter it's a lot of different stories that will fit together so it's something we could keep doing a long long time or something we can wrap up shorter We'll, we'll just sort of see it's um this next year for me um, will be kind of a pivotal one. when I'm still trying to line up the different pieces of um, in terms of my uh, Marvel stuff and my creator-owned stuff. Um, still trying to fit those different pieces together, and part of that will be kind of figuring out where the goddamn slots in. It won't be the it won't be the next creator-owned book you see from me. Um, but it, but believe me, it is, it is coming back. Yes.
0: And we definitely can't wait to have it back. Now, um, <laughs> one quick question. So since you consider yourself an, an atheist, do you feel that that basically gives you a certain amount of uh, fearlessness in how you tackle your subject matter that another writer, even if they're not a religious person, they wouldn't have? Because I have a theory that even if someone is not religious, they would feel this really like innate fear inside of tackling some of the issues you've tackled or just even writing some of the dialogue you've written. Like they would feel bad about it in some weird way. Do you feel that you have a certain amount of freedom?
2: Maybe maybe you mean just that I'm not worried about going to hell? Exactly. (laughs) Basically, Basically. yeah. Which which even though like a lot of people say that they're not religious, it's a fear they have. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I suppose you're right. I haven't thought of it that way. Um, <laughs> you know, I, the, I, the fiction writing class I took in college, I went to, to uh, UAB in, in Birmingham, Alabama, and um, I had a couple of really good fiction classes. I had a professor, Dr. Wharton, who um, I, I think the first night in class, he told you one of the pieces of advice he gave us was to write like your parents are dead, right? To nice. write to like not that you wish your parents were dead, no, but of course not. <laughs> that you put aside that fear of like, oh, what you know, oh my God, what would my mom say if she reads this? Yeah. Like you got to—that's <laughs> amazing. You got to put that aside, and you can't be um, fettered in that way, right? Like you got to write like everybody's going to be a, a personally offended by this is 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 already dead, and I'm going to. <laughs> write whatever story i want to write um so i think that's kind of the same thing if you can't write out of fear in that way right like you yeah um so i i, I didn't you know i i wrote i wrote um again some crazy crazy shit in that college class the same way i did when i was a kid um you should publish all of that <laughs> all of it.
1: No, and, uh, and I get what you're saying. I love it because even reading the goddamn, I'm loving it. Like, and I'm not religious myself. I also identify it, like I'm a, an atheist and, but I grew up like I'm Mexican. I grew up in Mexico. So uh, Catholic, right? I like, grew up Catholic. It's part of our culture. And even reading some of the, the scenes in the goddamn with the beautiful art, beautiful, gory art, right? It's, it's, uh, I, I would feel like, you know, it's like, like my mom would be like, what, what are you reading? No, I'm <laughs> put that
4: down. like, no, you're sick, you're <laughs> sick,
1: blasphemous stuff, you know, and. <laughs> and i was wondering like because you like you're from you know the bible belt you know and then growing up with that like it's awesome to see you like because it makes for such a compelling story that i honestly you know want it to be a series like i would love this to be like an hbo max greedy kind of series like it'd be dope
2: (laughs) sure yeah i'd be cool with that um yeah you know i should add that um I haven't had to write like my parents are dead in the sense that my mom is offended by any of this stuff because my mom is most definitely my biggest fan in the world and that yeah. she goes to the comic <laughs> book store and you know she's definitely the only uh, great grandmother in Alabama who's read every issue of the goddamned and Southern Bastards. Oh wow! <laughs> um, but yeah, she she any she's she's reads and loves and supports anything I do and it's kind of the reason I think I'm again that I'm here in the first place is that my mom you know drove me to the drugstore and bought me comics off the spinner rack and she took me to the first comic book store I ever went to and first comic book convention to to uh, Dragon Con in Atlanta she drove me there multiple years so she'd buy me whatever weird book or take me to see whatever weird movie I wanted to see and um so yeah I think she's always I think she believed when I you know when I would start saying I want to write comic books someday I think she probably believed that that I could do that more than even I did because I had no I'd said I wanted to do that but again I had no clue how to go about doing so uh, but I think you know she always supported me and always felt like yeah if you if you want to do that, someday you'll figure it out. And you know, it took me a while, but ultimately she was right.
0: And now is that your own personal spinner rack I see behind you?
2: <laughs> it is. Yeah, that's the um it's not a vintage one. It's one of the there was a Kickstarter a few years ago that um Jim Demonakis did. Um the, for the spinner racks. are so really, really nice though. They're, you know, they're made to look like the the vintage ones. So
0: you know this you is, made it in life when you have your own personal spinner rack
2: oh i got two spinner racks like ah, I got, that, yeah. my a, apologies sir. we're a two spinner rack household here <laughs> so i got goals this one is covered with books that i wrote this is this is like my office basically like i'm sitting on my desk so this is where i work yes. every day but in my bedroom i got a like an old vintage spinner rack that's covered with books that i bought off the spinner rack when i was a kid so you know oh, those T- awesome. teen titans issues and yeah uh, jose luis garcia lopez or atari force and yes <laughs> blue bait Be- blue beetle blue devil a lot of dc stuff which that begs the question loves.
3: When will you do some yes. DC Or can, can you even speak about this without getting Like assassinated by like a Marvel assassin crazy <laughs> bullseye You just feel like a red dot
0: trail across your forehead And just take you out <laughs> uh, uh, before, before you
1: answer I do, I do. I think it's important for you to know Because like from within our group Like I'm the Marvel guy and Rod is the heavy DC guy And Charles gotcha. is more DC I guess but in the middle
2: now I guess I'm I a
0: centrist know. like more You know like as everybody should be But you know
2: right (laughs) um you know someday someday i I mean i I can't say exactly when um i i most definitely grew up a a big dc guy um kind of again i lived in a small town went to a small school so in my grade school there was like me and one other dude who were the big comic nerds and he was a marvel guy he was a big X Men, Spider Man guy, so he and I used to get into heated arguments where I'm telling him, you know, the Teen Titans were absolutely way way better than the X Men. Oh, and you're right. Um, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you heard it here first. We're gonna post this out there. It's like, what? <laughs> um, so yeah. I mean, I you know, again, some of those books were the books that got me into being such a big comic book fan. So, um, but it. I think in there, when I first kind of broke in, you know, I, I did what a lot of people do when they're trying to break in the writing comics is you just, you kind of chase whatever seems available, right? Like if you, if you, if you have any connection with this editor, doesn't really matter what books they edit. Like, okay, well, I'm pitching this, right? Cause that's this person gave me the time of day and they edit, yeah. they edit Nightwing. So, all right, here's my best Nightwing pitch. And I did, a lot of people do that, and I did that for years and kind of wrote a lot of pitches that went nowhere and, and pretty quickly realized, like, this is not the way I want to go about this, right? Like, I'm not just going to chase whatever is available or chase, you know, specific characters that I, I kind of transitioned into, like, okay, like, what, let me try to connect with editors I think I'll have common sensibilities with. And then it's like, what, like what's available? Then I'll sort of figure that out as opposed to just chasing stuff. So that's kind of always the way I've done my career is that, you know, I wasn't a huge Thor fan really before I had the opportunity to do Thor. And um, so it's never been about like, well, you know, I love the Teen Titans. I really just want to write the Teen Titans or, man, I got this briefcase full of Spider-Man ideas. I just want to write Spider-Man. It's kind of about, what feels right you know at that moment in in life um so if you know someday i wouldn't be surprised if that moment finds me doing dc stuff but um i've been i'm still exclusive to marvel for for now have been since i think 2008 i think was when i signed my first wow um though i think it was around that same time i wrote the only comic I've ever written for the TCU, which was a, a, a Joker's Asylum Penguin one shot, where Batman, Batman pops up in one panel. Um, so that's the one panel I've written <laughs> Batman. <laughs> um,
1: I think, but I will take advantage of that, like, right, to the, the, the talk about your current work on Marvel with the Avengers run. And I think you've had at least a sort of chance to write, you know, for the Marvel Justice League with Squadron Supreme, you know, and recently you just had this awesome, awesome Heroes Reborn run, w- yeah. which one of the things that I love the most about the Heroes Reborn uh, run was that you had uh, each issue, right, was focused on each member of the Squadron Supreme. So like it gave you a chance to really write Nighthawk, which is, you know, like sort of Batman-ish, right, a character. So how was that for you and if you had to put you know squadron supreme versus the justice league who would win and why
2: (laughs) um well in 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 terms of first part of your question um (laughs) yeah i mean that you know i think sort of goes back to what we were talking about initially of just coming out of the worst part of the shutdown and the pandemic and all of us sort of hold up in our homes. Um, You know, the comic industry shutting down for a period of time, like coming out of that when I first kind of um, was getting back to work, uh, heroes Reborn" was the first thing that I wrote. And I think that was, you know, very much about me sort of grappling with difficult times and, and, you know dark times the, for the world for me personally and just feeling just wanting a return to joy in a lot of different ways right and so i the i mean the heroes were was kind of something an idea i had for a long time that i knew i was building towards but i think um the way it sort of fit with that moment in time made it uh, kind of even more special to me and then i think you can see a you know, again, a thread back to that, to me being that kid, buying books off the spinner rack, you know, in the drugstore. Yeah. Um, And, and what sparked in me about, about those, about the characters and the, the, the bigger world and everything that, that helped make me a, you know, comic book fan for, um, you know, almost 40 years at this point. And all that flowing into me being someone who loved to write and wanted to write comics I tried to pour all of that into Heroes Reborn and do something that was a celebration of uh, uh, of these characters in a very specific kind of world um, to do it as what was meant to look like basically a line of books, right? From this other version of the Marvel universe. So that's why it's, each issue focuses on a different character with a different artist. Um, it's meant to be like, you know, this is, Hyperion issue eight hundred and ninety seven, right? That's been yeah. published. That, that's that reflects his adventures in this world where he has always been, you know, Marvel's mightiest hero. Um, so I poured all that into it. I, I uh, hopefully you know that that joy comes across that I had a, a blast writing that and creating that world. I think there's still a, I think you can also see there's kind of a dark undercurrent, you know, the, and that these are not. These are not necessarily like joyful, happy versions of those characters. That there's a darkness to a lot of them. Oh yeah. Um, so I, you know, but it was. It, I think it was really, in 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 some sense, um, you know, the the timing, um, the timing of it all again made it made it a, a, a hopefully a more powerful, more meaningful story, while also just being a lot of fun. You know, getting to see James Stoko draw draw a Dr. Spectrum fight in the rocket raccoon was a definitely a career highlight for me. <laughs> no, honestly, yeah,
1: each of those issues were impressive. Like, I love exactly what you're saying about, like, each artist was, like, in pretending that where it's, like, issue 300 or whatever, because I-, I can't even think about the world building that kind of went into it, because I, like, each issue, like, I walked into, like, w- there's mad history here. I need to know more, right? Like, and, and it was so much fun. And as you're saying, with the dark uh, t- uh, a tone and the good, you know, obviously it's a great story, like in things like Power Princess having a hammer, I mean, a, an ax based off of the Rainbow Bridge, like how, like I want that story,
2: right? Like I want to revisit this world. Well, I, I all I can say is that we, we will see those characters again, um, the Squadron Supreme characters. And um, even w- as I was doing Heroes Reborn, kind of even before, you know, as we were leading into it, I always knew that that was kind of a an appetizer before what was to come. So, if I think if you like, oh. if you like sort of the Eight. nature of what Heroes Reborn was, then Avengers Forever is sort of the, the main event for that. And that and with that, it will very much be. About trying to do that same sort of thing um, in different ways with each issue, with each with each arc. Um, that that same sort of idea over and over and over and over again in different versions. That's going to be um, awesome. In the biggest way, biggest craziest way possible. With all that, also building um, in conjunction with the other Avengers book, the the two of them kind of. Um, Interlocking in some way and building towards um, the story that is to come probably, you know, this time next year, somewhere late, late next year. Right, because I believe like it
1: it all starts, I think, in December with Avengers Forever, bro. you have your big Avengers 50 coming out November, right? That's and that kind of does it all kind of connect there. Congratulations, by the way.
2: Yes thanks yeah it's avengers 50 slash 750 um yeah it comes out in november it's like it's giant it's like 70 80 90 pages something like that it's huge good lord the the size of a miniseries you know in one (laughs) issue it's definitely the biggest comic biggest single comic i've ever written Yeah, Um, does that even fit in
0: a bag? Like, does that even fit in like the (laughs) stuff you
2: have to buy? One, you have to buy a magazine bag, I think. (laughs) Um,
0: That's ambitious, can't wait for that.
2: It's big, yeah. So, it's you know, a lot of the stuff I've kind of been playing with in Avengers. Um, so it comes to a head in that. And we, uh, the if you picked up the Avengers free comic book day issue, um, that gave you a little tease of kind of these new bad guys that are. that that i'm bringing into the book and so they show up in um avengers 50 there's a lot of craziness going on and it's a lot of different super cool artists um working on it including javier garone who's been been drawing avengers and ed mcginnis who's been working on the book since the beginning and and aaron cooter who will be doing avengers forever um so yeah that's a big huge ball of craziness that um, sets the stage for for Avengers Forever, and for what's to come in Avengers.
1: Right, and and Avengers Forever is that going to be another ongoing book, or is it a, a mini? Uh, that's the part I wasn't. And it's going to be running same with um, Avengers because something I saw recently in the news, I think for uh, newsrama, was that apparently was it's going to be Robbie Reyes Ghostwriter kind of leading the Avengers Forever.
2: Yeah. Right. Robbie, Robbie is a big part of it. Um, you know, and again, we we sort of see how that something happens to Robbie and Avengers 50 and that, that sort of leads into Avengers forever. Um, yeah, they're, they're they're both ongoing books, you know, it's, it's basically with Avengers we'd been doing, you know, 18, 19 issues a year, most years, um, with this, they'll both be monthly. So I'll just be doing 24, um, so it's just adding, you know, not that many more issues, even though we're doing two books. And again, they'll they'll be separate, but also interlocking in, in some ways and with very, very different sort of mission statements. But as, you know, especially as things go along over the course of the next year, um, we'll start to see those two books come crashing together. And I've, I've kind of said said a couple of times, I think, um, I'm looking at this, as something the the story overall and in particular avengers forever that that's not just reflecting threads and idea i've been ideas i've been playing with for the last few years in avengers but you you will see threads that go back to my thor run in in a very significant way holy crap you will see threads that go back to kind of the The sort of the main touchstones of my career at Marvel those last, you know, about 16 years including, you know, Ghost Rider was the first ongoing book I had. I worked on Wolverine for like six years Um, so not just Avengers, not just Thor, but you will see a lot of the stuff I've done um, threads that lead into in, into these Avenger stories in, in some pretty huge and maybe unexpected ways. Yeah, so, to, in, to make
3: these so, big stories, do you go back to your old scripts or are they just floating around in your head and you're just tying them together?
2: Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes I have to, I mean, I forget, I forget things I've written, right? Like I have to pull out my <laughs> yeah, scripts sometimes. It's, like, it's it's so much. much. I mean, I have to do that today. I was so writing much. something today and I was like, where was that? Like, I forget things about a character that I created. Like, where was that person from? What was their deal? <laughs> um,
1: well, like, and, and, and actually, with know, with the yeah. throwback, you know, stuff. Like, I'm actually starting to pick up a little bit. Like, I want to, I want to know. Like, building off of Rod's question, like, how uh, intentional from the get go was this? Like, because you brought in the Phoenix back in Avengers in a very big way, but we also saw Phoenix, the Phoenix, in the Thor run, right, where Jane Foster yeah. epically shows down with the Phoenix and she knows that there's some kind of connection there with Thor. And we end up having a big, big reveal with the Avengers that the Phoenix is Thor's mom. and So, like that's awesome. Like how, was that from the get-go? You knew you wanted to get to that point, or
2: well, you know, all I can say is I think um you can look back something like that, like you're when you're talking about the, the Phoenix stuff. Yes, I think you can look back to again years ago stuff i did in thor right like yeah exactly that of, of jane foster you know asking thor like what what's the deal with you in the phoenix like did you did you guys used to go out like the she could tell like there's some yeah. kind of there's some emotion here i don't understand right and it had been established in multiple places that um you know not just that there was this prehistoric version of the phoenix but there was a Love affair there between that character and Odin. So some of this is like you know you can see building blocks that have been there for you know five six years right like <laughs> over the course of multiple different books, um, and uh, yeah some of that just in general you know I've 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 enjoyed doing that of building to, toward building toward stuff over the course of a long period of time. And I, especially by the time I started doing Thor, like feeling like I had the confidence and sort of my place there that I could do that, that I wasn't going to get fired tomorrow, that I could lay tracks that would take me a while to pay off. Right. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't want to make it seem like I am some master tactician where it's all sketched out on the walls, like sometimes it is and some sense. It seems like it. That's exactly well, what it's good. Like. Well, then I'll just stop there. <laughs> <laughs> but other times things, you know, you just have to leave room to like figure some shit out as you go. Right. And sometimes things work out yeah. in ways or occur to you as you're going and you're like, Oh man, it's going to seem like I had this in mind the whole time when I did not, but it it definitely works out that way. So it's, a, it's a mix of both. Um, yeah. A lot of the stuff I was already thinking um, with Thor led into Avengers, mm-hmm. you know, once I got that gig, because they overlapped a little bit. I was still working on Thor when I started Avengers. Um, And and now I'm just kind of pulling in even, even more stuff. Yes.
0: So in a way, it's kind of like your own story god bomb. Because <laughs> you're bringing everything from the past all the way to the future, in the present. It's like your own story bomb which is an amazing concept that's
2: awesome (laughs) absolutely well you know clearly i've got it if you go back to that god butcher story clearly i've got a thing for doing stories that that play out in different eras right like and oh yeah definitely right that first big thor story i wanted to do young thor and an old king thor in the far future and and then leading right into avengers you know i introduced these prehistoric versions like i liked the idea of reaching back to, again, you know, caveman stories. I like caveman stories. <laughs> um, so clearly, that's a thing I like to play with, and I, you know, plug another one of my books. I think that goes back to my love of of Conan and how I first discovered those Robert E. Howard Conan stories, and and you know, the very I think chronologically, the first in terms of publishing, the very first howard conan story anybody read was phoenix on the sword which was a king conan story so you first introduce this guy and he's the king of aquilonia and then later you go back and oh he was this barbarian who stumbled out of you know samaria in the north and was a thief and a pirate and all this but when you read those stories like you know they they weren't told in in chronological order right like they jumped around to sort of all different parts of his life so i that always that I think was what pulled me into the character of just, again, getting the scope of this epic life that he was living. And I I, I was absolutely thinking of that when I did that first God of Thunder story uh, by pulling in, pulling together those different versions of Thor to the point when then I, you know, years later when I got the chance to write a Conan story, I was like, well shit, what do I do now? Cause I kind of <laughs> You blew it.
4: That was so. sort
2: of that was sort of, I mean, I, I don't know that I would have done a story that brought like, you know, young Conan and, and <laughs> future Conan. Right, future Conan together. That would work. But,
0: that would be great. Exactly
2: I don't think like. anybody would complain. It would be cool. Exactly. <laughs> but I did, you know, for that Conan the Barbarian story, I did do a story that sort of touched on all the different or a lot of the different parts of Conan's life. I wanted to do something that was it's was not just three periods, but it was basically every issue of that 12 issue story. We were jumping around to a, a different part of his life while telling a, an overarching story that sort of tied all those together. So if anything, I had to—I knew I had to do something that seemed bigger in some sense than the God of Thunder story. So, so how often?
3: Up- all right. So how often, how often does it begin with the story versus the character? So with Thor, you kind of had an idea for a story and then you could have, you know, if you would have done Conan, you could have maybe put him in that place. So how often do you begin with just a good story and then you work a character into it versus the other way around?
2: Well, I mean, it depends. I definitely think I'm more in as a writer and as a reader and everything, I'm more into character than I am plot. You know, I don't. I think probably my strongest writing stuff is more character stuff than just big plot driven stories. So there, I mean, there have been times like when I did Wolverine goes to hell. That was, that was kind of an idea I had for a, a John Constantine hellblazer story. Yeah. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> Cause I did a couple issues of hellblazer kind of right before I signed in a Marvel exclusive. And I'd had, I was going to do more um but you know then wasn't able to so i i'd always i'd had this idea of like well john constantine gets sent to hell by one of his enemies at least his spirit is sent to hell but his body is still on earth and there's like this demon running around in john constantine's body like you know ruining what reputation he has left (laughs) um so i never got to do that as hellblazer but i kind of turned that into a wolverine story so that's one case of me you know reusing a story for a different character but generally it's not like that and i think really with thor that very much started as like who is this character i think everything for me started with that because i didn't I, I i said i wanted to do thor and kind of got that gig before i had a story i didn't know i didn't have any idea what my story would be and again wow. wasn't wasn't the world's biggest, I hadn't read that much Thor stuff. So then I sat down and started, you know, from the beginning, I'd I'd never read any of those, the, the, the the original Kirby Thor stuff. I'd read a lot of other Kirby stuff, but for whatever reason, that was, that was, you know, a blank spot for me. Um, So I think figuring out, you know, what, okay, what do I think is cool about Thor? And then how do I relate that? relate to that or bring something of myself to that and again for me as an atheist it became about you know doing the unatheist thing of leaning into <laughs> the idea of yeah. Thor, as a god um you know the because there's a period in time where the movies were starting to kind of lean away from that right like whereas he's not really a god he's just you know this this otherworldly figure that that People here have perceived as gods, but right. So I I didn't want to do that. I very much wanted to, like, no, he's a god. You know, that's that's what's different about him. Um, so I looked at it as, okay, well, what, like, what what's cool about that? What's interesting to me about that? And I, for me as an atheist, I could, I could look at Thor as, okay, he's the kind of god I would like to believe in, right? Like, on the one hand, you could look at that god bomb story as this really like I said, a darkly pessimistic story about, man, all gods are really terrible and we'd all be better off without them. But in the midst of that, it's really the story of Thor of being the being the one God who's like, no, this guy's awesome. Right. God like, of gods. <laughs> right. And it comes back to that idea of worthiness, you know, of him. I'd, I'd, I'd love that idea of him waking up every day and looking at at the hammer next to his bed and he doesn't know and until he picks it up. He doesn't know if he'll be able to, right? Because yeah. there's always that doubt of like that question of, uh, well, like I know I was worthy yesterday, but I said it there before I went to bed. But does that mean I'm going to be worthy today? So I think it's that question that that makes him the hero that he is. It makes him the God that he is. So I, I, I very much started with that idea um before I, I knew I wanted to do, okay, I want to do old Thor and and a serial killer of gods and all that sort of stuff it very much began with who who is this guy and you know why should I give a shit because first I have to give a shit before I can expect (laughs) anyone who's reading it to give a shit and and can't just expect like well you know Thor's been around a long time clearly people have read a lot of Thor stories everybody knows who he is and what his deal is like I, I think you can't ever go into any story like that you gotta it's gotta be in the page right it's gotta like show me show me show me why i should care about this character what makes them interesting or exciting don't 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 assume i i come to the party with that knowledge
0: and i love the way you phrase that because um i can totally understand why you would say that thor is the kind of god you you would want to believe because due to the hammer he has a built-in sense of humility, which almost no God has. He has to continually keep on proving himself that he's worthy of the mantle of a God. as where every single other deity is like they have carte blanche with their like powers, like do whatever you want. But him is like, no, you can't do whatever you want because you have to maintain. It's essentially the thing that makes you you. Because like right. it's on the hammer, like whoever's worthy, they're Thor. Thor is Thor because you know he's Thor Odin's son. But just like there's been other people who have picked up the hammer, like Jane Foster, he knows he can lose the mantle. Not many other gods have to worry about that. And also, I want to give you the utmost props, which is a term from New York, because you make a <laughs> you make a lot of complex lore very easily digestible. The amount of lore that you laid out so ambitiously in volume one with (laughs) Omnipotent City and the God community and that they all know each other and the Hall of the All-Knowing. As I was reading all that, and it's funny that you said that um, you read a whole bunch of Kirby because I was like, this is very Kirby-esque. So it's like you still managed to keep the same tone, but you managed to fit an overwhelming amount of lore in a very accessible manner, which is incredible,
2: I just have to say. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, certainly I, there was a lot of Kirby on my mind, and I very much looked at that, especially that first big arc as like a dark Kirby story, right? And I think yeah. I knew – I kind of I knew – when I started writing that book, the Esad Ribbick was going to draw it, which I think also helped where I could, you know, know in my head, like, oh, Esad's going to, you know, omnipotent city, like he's going to draw the hell out of that. Like I knew, yeah. um, I knew with side, I could kind of shoot for the stars, you know, because he's so amazing. Um, but thanks. Yeah. I mean, I, I, to me, that's the challenge of this job, right? When the job in yeah. terms of doing, you know, work for hire, um, superhero stuff is that these are characters that have been around for so long, you know, longer than I've been alive and any of us, and they'll all, they'll all be around after we're all gone. Right. Um, so you have all these amazing stories that people know and love and, and all these cool toys that, that, that these amazing creators have left in the toy box for you to, to play with and you kind of get to stand on the shoulders of all those giants, but you also can't just rely on that. And, you know, we think of Marvel retreats. We talk a lot about trying to be wary of when we're just picking the bones of stories from the past. And, you know, are we doing a story that's about another that's just about another story from that someone else did, or are we taking that stuff and building upon it and trying to do something new? So I think, that's always the challenge and um you know, it's it's it is a challenge, but it's one that I I do um have fun with. I and mean, it's an action
1: ch- well, and actually building off of that, like from, you know, how you were choosing it was great to hear how you choose like the, the story to go to the character and and, and building off of that and, and with, you know, deities and all that like you made a, a very big one, you know, deity kind of related to recently in the Avengers that you gave Echo becoming the Phoenix, you know, that's that's yeah. huge like that's huge 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 right because it's the phoenix is a classic x-men you know uh, being you know is, is, and it's mostly gene gray or redhead you know redheaded people and it's like how, how did that happen how, how did you end up choosing like how did that like was it were you preparing echo for that from before you knew this
2: or well you know i the um, from when i've introduced those prehistoric avengers like we had seen that the phoenix was one of those right so i kind of established the phoenix is one of these sort of core iconic um, legacy characters of the marvel universe right like going back to the very beginning um doesn't mean the phoenix has been there that whole time you know between um one million bc and today but yeah um that 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 character was there in the beginning alongside these other you know big iconic characters and that there's a legacy to that Um, so once I established that, you know, I knew at some point I wanted to bring a modern day version of the Phoenix, um, into the Avengers, you know, in a a way that would on the one hand kind of separate that character from just the same old, another version of the same old X-Men story we'd seen, you know, I wasn't interested in doing another, um, Jean Grey story, you know, I, I'd been a part of Avengers versus X-Men where we played with a lot of Phoenix stuff and did, you know, the story of hope was a big part of the X-Men back then. So I, I didn't want to do that. Um, but, I, you know, the as, as the guy who used to be a big X Men guy, you know, a big yeah. part of the X Men corner of the Marvel universe for for years. Now yeah. I'm the Avengers guy, so I also like the idea of just mm-hmm. kind of stealing this toy away from the X Men. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um And you know, again, what that could mean for the the X Men and the Avengers, also. So I knew I wanted to bring in a modern day version of the Phoenix, and I didn't know right away it'd be Echo. I kind of had a list you know and even one of the retreats sort of threw it out there as who would be cool and there there were different names on the list um but the to me the main thing was i wanted somebody who would just use that power in a different way right i didn't want to just see the same thing we'd seen before where this is a character who flies around with the phoenix raptor fiery raptor around them has some sort of telepathic telekinetic abilities and sort of fires fiery blasts of energy yeah i wanted to see like what you know really the the whole um enter the phoenix you know fight was about seeing like what does it look like if shang chi uses that power and when when black panther and captain america use it like though those characters would use it in different ways than than gene gray um did so kind of that all sort of led to to Echo as being the one who seemed like the right fit um, for a lot of different reasons. And again, the way that sort of flowed together with the stuff I'm playing with, with the the Phoenix and Thor. Um, and again, there's sort of more of that um, to come. Still more of that story to be told. <laughs> Can't wait um you'll see the not as much in issue 50 but it's certainly issue 51 like issue 50 again of avengers sort of the end of the world war she hulk arc you have all this craziness that erupts and that's the beginning of the arc that that comes after and so issue 51 um the phoenix and thor will be a big part of yes (laughs)
4: Cannot way, wait.
2: I just want to say that um
0: in that Into the Phoenix event. Um I stated this in a previous episode. The way that uh
2: Hyperion went down was my favorite defeat. Yeah.
4: <laughs> because it was
2: so philosophical. Thanks. Well yeah, uh, you know, it kind of fits with the again, the the version of that character had already established and that we saw in Heroes Reborn, where just that idea that his mind would be expanded to such an extent just seems <laughs> Horribly, horribly un-American to him. He couldn't do it. <laughs> like as as I was reading it, I'm like, "Am I understanding?" It's like
0: this is brilliant. Like my fa- I was ear to ear as I was reading that because it was like, it was so clever. It was so clever the way he was defeated. That was masterful.
2: <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> well, you know, it also is, is Shang Chi winning a fight by just sitting there, right? Like sitting there meditating. He didn't even move exactly. a finger, and he he won that round.
3: Yeah. Which, on, the the movie of, been that way. on the topic of on the topic of high we noticed that you never answered who would win in a slugfest <laughs> between the Squadron Supreme and the Justice League. I
2: feel like that was on purpose. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I think that'd be a pretty good fight. Um, I, I mean, I, I I tried to make the Squadron Supreme as as incredibly powerful as I I possibly could. um you know we'd see hyperion kill galactus and kill the hulk um (laughs) show that uh dr spectrum is you know taken thanos off the board and um uh, killed a celestial and then power princess you know defeated Gore the god butcher and so I mean they are of their version of the Marvel universe is, of Marvel universe they are far and away the most powerful characters in it right like they have defeated everyone put against them so I, th- I think they would be able to hold their own against um, Superman and Batman and whoever else.
3: Okay, We want to get your take on so a few more. <laughs> wow. We have a, a quick fire segment. We want to see which of two options you think is more epic or who would come out on top if it okay. was a battle royale of some sort. We're going to start with Trump and Biden. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. We're going to start with the cinematic versions of Harley Quinn and the Black Widow.
2: Oh, like the movie versions, who would yeah well Black Widow's dead, so that's not gonna be much of a fight. <laughs> okay. That's just Harley Quinn kicking a corpse. All <laughs> right. We'll take it. We'll take it. Coke or All Pepsi.
3: Right.
2: Coke or Pepsi? Oh, that's not it. is that even a question? Coke. Well, that's
3: it's Coke, isn't it?
2: Like I I was just um I went to Herman, Missouri the other. That's like the extent of my World travels the last year <laughs> and a half as I went to Herman, Missouri, which is sort of like you know, Missouri's version of Napa. It's like this yeah. little, tiny little town in the middle of nowhere that was settled by Germans back in the day. So, you have a lot of German restaurants, like really cool old preserved houses, and a lot of wineries. This is a long story to answer your question, but I'm going no, some worries, I'm no, going worries, no worries. So, I had a couple of lovely days. in in herman missouri drinking drinking wine and eating sausages But the worst part for me was like i couldn't get a fucking coke like every place we went was a pepsi place
1: it's the worst what
2: what is it with the pepsi in here because my what you know if i ask for a diet coke and they they they'll say like well you know diet pepsi like i see like is that okay (laughs) <laughs> like would diet pepsi be okay He's like no, the pepsi okay. company
3: right well, there like,
2: my go-to is always like how about diet dr pepper because <laughs> i like diet dr pepper no diet dr pepper so i'm just like give me a water a <laughs> <laughs> pepsi's gross all right all, right, I'd, all right. I'd say i'd say as i'm wearing a cm punk shirt punk, <laughs> are, you guys, are you guys wrestling guys used to be Used to
3: be. I know he had a brief UFC stint,
2: and I know he just came back in AEW. Just came back in AEW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just came back. Punk's like got a big Pepsi tattoo. I don't know what the genesis of that. I have to ask him. But maybe he just really likes Pepsi. So apologies to Punk as I'm wearing his shirt and dissing Pepsi. But yeah, I really, really hate Pepsi. (laughs)
3: All right, all right. Metallica versus Megadeth.
2: uh I, I was yeah i was never that into megadeth so i'm metallica
3: okay 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 joss whedon's avengers oh, totally versus zack snyder's justice league
2: oh wait I, lo- I lost you for a second say that one again
3: all right joss whedon's avengers versus zack snyder's justice
2: league I, you guys are just trying to get me in trouble <laughs> 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 and these are these are these are
1: segments that we've done we always do this who's more epic and we battle amongst ourselves yeah. between who so we want to get yeah. your thoughts on <laughs> that's who's more epic between these two
0: i'm watching your back for any red dots in your window
2: <laughs> um you know i i saw both of those versions of the of that movie i did i watched them both um i mean i he, jesus i don't I, I i i'm not the biggest Zack snyder uh dcu fan i can't say that i am i did not like man of steel um
0: oh you just hurt rod's soul <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: i mean i you know i could i could I, I'd lot I, I could appreciate some of the stuff that was in his cut of justice league of more cyborg stuff and and certainly made a little more made a little more sense like in that version um but yeah i can't i can't say i feel a great affinity for those movies which makes me sad because again you know those are the characters that, that some of the characters that made, made me such a big comic book fan back in the day and man as a kid growing up you know like for, for the longest time, like the incredible Hulk TV show was the best comic book adaptation that we had. Right. Like live oh, yeah. action adaptation. And I, so anything that came out, I was there. Right. Like I saw, yeah. you know, those, those terrible captain America movies. <laughs> the,
4: <laughs> the, well, I mean, quickly. I went,
2: I, I saw return of the swamp thing in the theater. Whoa. Like opening wow. night. it was sparsely attended but i was there i was there so i i mean anything anything comic book related no matter how terrible i knew it was going to be i was there i felt like it was my duty to go and support support it right like hoping for the day when we'll get better versions one day we did man i saw the first tim burton batman movie i saw like twice that week you know it, it came out um so the if I could go back then and tell that tell that guy who was standing in line for Batman like someday there's a Batman versus Superman movie that's going to come out and you won't even go see it in the theater. I would have been like, <laughs> I'd have been like, "Get the hell out of here, you're crazy. Like, that's <laughs> you lie, sir. you like lie. I'm the guy who went to see Return of the Swamp Thing in the theater. How am I not going to go see Batman <laughs> Superman?" But I did not. I did not see it in the theater. Wait, so to, you so, saw so, it so at, to put but it? you
3: eventually saw it. I
2: I have seen most of it. it oh. okay.
3: so so, to, <laughs> so
0: so to put it in perspective, what you're saying is that Return of the Swamp Thing <laughs> is better than Batman versus
2: Superman. I don't know if I would say that. I will say. <laughs> I I will say I saw one Fair in the enough. theater and the other I did not but I I can't I I think I am equally uninterested in revisiting either one at this point I will say that I can hear Rod's soul
1: crack. <laughs> <laughs> Yo Rod Rod loves Snyder and all things DCEU uh, but but he'll he cry when we're done filming. not yeah. Well, hey, well, I <laughs> I'm sure will... there's
3: a Marvel rep off camera somewhere over right. there <laughs> telling you what to say. Like, no, Cue we cards. don't like anything DC. <laughs> say
2: well, this. <laughs> um, I will I will say so. I'm not just trying to crap on Zack Snyder. Like, I what was the name of the the zombie movie he just did on Netflix with Batista? Army, Army. of the Dead. Army of the Dead. I liked that. That was fun. Yeah, that was pretty fun. i did i thought it was weird how how thoroughly uninterested Batista's character was in like all the other guys he brought with him who were like dying one by one he seemed had way more character (laughs) yeah just like not even looking back just like full speed ahead (laughs) um but yeah i thought that was i thought it was really really fun
1: and and on the topic of movies and before we wrap up uh because we don't want to take too much of your time though but but you 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 have you know we're talking about movies we've talked about your amazing Thor run we have to ask like how does it feel that awesome elements of your Thor run are going to be made for the movies you know we're gonna see gore the god butcher played by Christian Bale which like like what what is that Natalie Portman Jane Foster Thor like how how is that for you as a creator and then um are you involved uh, to some degree or can you tell us that
2: uh, you know, I mean, it's of course, it's super exciting. I'm excited to to see what they do. Um, you know, excited to see Taika's version of that that story. Um, uh, I always take the same attitude. I think with anything of mine that's being adapted in whatever sense, like I just want to see that 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 person, that creator, do something cool with it. Do their version of it. I'm a huge fan yeah. of Taika Waititi um, you know, doesn't need to be exactly what I wrote. Um, like the, the book's not going anywhere, you know, like (laughs) anybody will be able to go back and like, I did my version of it. There it is. So I'm super excited to see his version to see Christian Bale's version of, of Gore. Yeah, that's, that's really super cool. No, I'm not involved. I mean, you know, the, Um, Kevin Feige is pretty much my boss in some sense these days. And he's more, you know, more um, overseeing the, the comic part of things, but still, you know, I, I mean, I, I know a little bit more than, than anybody else about what they're doing, but I like the, the wires don't really, you know, cross that way in terms of, I, I would be great if we get to the point where there is more interaction and in the you know it's, i mean it's i think it's really cool to see how much stuff the studios pulls from the comics right like yeah watching any of those those marvel um tv shows like we're not just talking you know stuff from years and years ago and the biggest most iconic stories that everybody know like they're they're mining all kinds of stuff like up until yeah up until you know, recent times. Um, So that's, I think that's, that's cool. That's exciting to see. um, They're paying attention, right? And they're, they're looking for, they're looking for cool stuff kind of wherever they can find it. Um, I I think that's great. And if that someday turns into, you know, those of us working on the publishing side, being more involved in that stuff, uh, I, I think that would be really great.
0: That's wow! Just the uh, that spectrum, just of occurrences over time, from you submitting a story to winning to having a character that you created being in a movie played by Christian Bale. You made it, <laughs> <laughs> and we thank you for it. That is like just in that context, that's insane. That's insane. Congratulations
2: on everything! Well, and thanks. You want. I mean, to me, like. You know, I feel like I've made it. Literally, every day the last 16 years, I've gotten to get up, get up, and go. Like I don't just say that because that's what you're supposed to say. Like I've honestly (laughs) felt like that again. Like the joy I get from doing this job in the first place is very much feels like if that was all I got, that would be enough. I mean, it's great that I get money to pay my light bill, and that (laughs) I, you know, that's been able to provide me a, a living. Um, that's awesome all the other stuff does feel like you know the like gravy um, because you never know you never know when you're writing a story I think all you know is like I well I'm I'm invested in this I think this is cool you don't know how the story's you, you know gonna gonna turn out when it gets to the page you don't know what people are gonna think about it people are gonna love it people are gonna hate it probably both and then anything that happens beyond that, you have no idea. I don't think anybody ever writes a story, or I certainly no, I don't. I don't write write it thinking like I, I can't know what anybody else is going to think about. It. I can't guess what yeah. what any of you guys are going to like it or hate it, or if it's going to become a movie, or if it's going to you know disappear into to quarter bin boxes, you know, at, at at the local comic convention. You have no idea. Um, but I think that doing that story in the first place kind of has to be the that that's the part i can control right it's my part yeah. of it and as long as i i feel good about that part then then i'm good whether anything happens with it again or not but yeah i'm i'll, I'll be there to see the movie alongside everybody else and and, and i'll be excited
0: we cannot wait we're insanely
2: excited
1: Exactly, and we, we really hope that you get the credit the credits do for uh, these creations, although Taika does his own story and, and reinvents it. I do think, you know, you've you done wonderful work, and I do think everybody out there needs to go, as you said, like, they'll re- they'll see Taika's story of it, but then gotta go back to the books and see how it was done originally. I think that'd be dope. And and just to wrap up, we want to know, actually, now with, you know, the pandemic getting a little bit better, kind of how well, we started talking about the beginning are we going to see you at New York City Comic Con?
2: No, not this year. I mean, I've still oh. I've kind of, you know, stuck to the thing this year where I said I wasn't doing any shows at all this year. Um, So I, I didn't even go to uh, Planet Comic Con, which is the con here in Kansas City I'm at every year. Oh, So still still sort of laying off this year. I mean, I haven't, you know, I haven't been to Disney World's first Last year was the first year in like six or seven years I haven't been to Disney World. So if I'm not going to Disney World, oh. you know, I'm probably again, the only place I've been is Herman, Missouri. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Which is, which is lovely. You should go. And they, but they have no I coat. Bet. Yeah, don't go expecting a coat. <laughs> <laughs> go and for the I wine think, and that's it. Bring, bring your own coat.
3: <laughs> I just want to take one, one minute because I've been fairly reserved up until now, but there's a fanboy that's just screaming. So I got to say a few things. First of all, Wolverine and the X-Men. Is my all time favorite X Men book. Perfect. I thought it was, I thought it could have been, it could, it could still be adapted into an animated series, like, and just reach a whole new audience. The stories were just that, just that good. And and art, of course, was spectacular. And secondly, one of my all time favorite binge worthy books was Punisher Max by cool. the great Garth Ennis. And when he, you know, left the book, I'm, I was there sobbing. And then you came on and you wrote three magnificent volumes introducing staple punisher uh characters and you just blew it away so anybody listening please check out all of these books and everything else we've spoken about on this podcast and and also thank you so much for taking the time out and having this uh discussion with us
2: well thanks thanks i appreciate all that especially after i crapped on your zach snyder movies <laughs> <laughs> so him, him say what he just said right now the whole time he was quiet, he was parsing what you said about the <laughs> yeah. <of> the work. <laughs> uh, thanks. Yeah, I'm. 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 I'm really proud of both of those two. Two very different books, right? Yeah. My Punisher and my over in the X Men, but but equally proud of both. Especially Punisher getting to work with with the late great Steve Dillon for the he drew every issue of that. So um, yeah, those are both. Those are, are special. I appreciate
0: it. Thank you very much, Mr. Aaron. So for all the fans out there, open up your favorite comic book app, whether it's Marvel or comiXology, type in Jason Aaron's name, and just hit purchase on everything. Just buy. (laughs) (laughs) Just buy everything he's ever written. And on that note, Mr. Aaron, Jason, Mr. Jason Aaron, it was an honor. (laughs) It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. You kind of made our year of podcasting thus far. Thank you for being you. Highly appreciate it
2: well thank you guys you guys are great I appreciate the all the passion and and everything and you know for you guys to have started doing this in the first place out of the out of the pandemic I I think is cool like I said it's good to look and celebrate the positive things that have come from the last year so I'm glad you guys have have started this and that you're bring such passion and excitement and, and joy to clearly to what you're what you're talking about so thank you
1: Awesome. Thank, thank you. you very much. You know, and I, I echo that. Like, I appreciate it. Thank you very for taking the time to, to join uh, with us. And we would keep talking to you hours on end, you know, so <laughs> Indeed. We, would just, but we obviously it's getting late. So we'll let you go. <laughs> and we would love to have you back. You know, we would love to then pick your brain once we see all the epicness you're going to do with Avengers uh, Forever, the Multiversal Masters of Evil, all of this. And so hopefully and then hopefully we'll see you because we're here in New York City. Hopefully we'll see you at next year's <laughs> New York City Comic Con.
0: All oh, that sweet, all oh, that much sweeter.
2: Yeah, I, I I miss New York City. It's one of the things i I miss. So I, w- I look forward to coming back.
1: And it sweet. misses you. It told you
2: that. That's yeah, awesome. yeah,
1: yeah.
0: All the co-kits said we miss Jason Aaron. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, everybody. So go check out his stuff. We love y'all. Would you like to tell the fans where they can find you on any social media or?
2: Well, I'm I'm on Instagram. These days, is Jason Aaron, I've got a I've got a a free newsletter you can subscribe to on Substack that I send out, you know, every couple of weeks. Um, Those are the main. I'm still on Twitter, but sort of hanging on by a thread. So I think Instagram and Substack are the best places to find me. And I've got my own website out there, too. So I'm I'm easy to Google.
0: Awesome. So go look him up, folks. And on that note, this is Chaz.
1: Yo, this is Miguel
3: this is Rod. Peace.
1: Deuces. Thank you. Legion on Zoom, starring and produced by Jose Perez, a.k.a. Chez, Rodney Martinez, and myself, Miguel Arce. Click subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or shoot us an email at legiononzoom at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Legion on Zoom.